Good morning, everyone. The Bible reading this morning is from the book of Luke, chapter 10, from verse 38 to 42. You can find it in the Pope Bible, page 1042, at the home of Martha and Mary. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the lost feet, listening to what But Martha was distracted by all the preparation that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do work by myself? Tell her to help me. Matter, matter, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Prince. Let's pray. Father, on this day when we remember wars and strife, we pray that you would help us to sit at Jesus' feet and learn from him. Amen. Well, self-evidently, that passage we've just heard read is not about war or remembrance, and consequently, neither will this sermon be about war or remembrance. However, whenever there is increased turmoil, we need to remember all the more the lesson that this passage is teaching. And so it is appropriate we think about it on Remembrance Sunday. The story we've just heard read, the story of Jesus' visit to Martha and Mary, is of course well known. And it's simple, it's short, but it is easily misunderstood, and we do need to look at it very carefully. That said, as I'm speaking this morning, a few of you, probably a very few, may think that some of the things I'm saying are slightly familiar than perhaps you've heard me say them before. And and if that's the case, well, congratulations. Um, Because in the morning service 2,247 days ago, I did actually speak on this passage. And and I hope you won't be uh, either disappointed or even surprised to hear that I'm going to say a lot of the same things uh, this morning. Okay, Uh, as often... Let's start thinking about the context of what we've just heard read. And the first thing to note is that Luke does not tell us the chronological context. Uh, Back in uh, chapter 9, chapter 9, verse 51, to be precise, we're told that Jesus headed through Samaria on his way to Jerusalem to be crucified. Uh, And the story of the sending out of the 72, which we heard a few weeks ago, took place in Samaria. 
And if you were to go on to chapter 17, you would find uh, that there's another mention of Jesus being on his way to Jerusalem. And it's easy to assume that everything between chapters 10 and 16 took place during the course of that journey. Well, all I can say about that is, if they did, then it was a mighty convoluted journey that Jesus took. You see, as I've had occasion to stress on a number of occasions in the past year, uh, the four Gospels do not set things out in precise chronological order. The Gospel writers were intent on helping us to understand the significance of Jesus and of his teaching and were only marginally interested in chronology. And we're absolutely clear that what we're reading here didn't happen in Samaria for the very simple reason that the home of Martha and Mary was in the little village of Bethany, which is approximately two miles outside Jerusalem. So if Jesus did visit them on his way to Jerusalem, then it was right at the very end of his journey, and certainly not while he was much further north in Samaria. So we don't know the uh, geographic context. And we might ask, well, why did Luke put it here in his gospel? And I think the answer to that is because he just recounted the parable of the Good Samaritan, and he recognized that the parable and what Jesus said to Martha illuminate one another. And we'll come back to that in a minute. Uh, But first of all, let's look at the facts. Who were Martha and Mary? Well, all we know about Martha and Mary is set out either here in chapter 10 of Luke's Gospel or in John chapters 11 and 12. They were sisters, and it appears Martha was the older sister because she's described as the person whose home uh, Jesus came to. She was the hostess. Their brother was, of course, Lazarus, who was raised by Jesus from the dead, and you can read about that in John chapter 11. Some people identify this Mary with Mary Magdalene, but that seems implausible. Uh, Mary was a very common name in Jesus' day. In fact, the records suggest that approximately 30% of all Jewish women of that time were called Mary, Miriam, the wife of uh, of Moses. So um, it was a very common name, and there's absolutely no reason to suppose that this is Mary Magdalene. Uh, And she is, however, the uh, woman who anointed Jesus' head with oil uh, at the start of the week leading up to his crucifixion. But that's another story. You'll find that in John chapter 11. And we're looking at Luke chapter 10. No, you won't. You'll find it in John chapter 12. My apologies. Um, And this is, we're looking at Luke chapter 11. Let's go back to Luke chapter 10. Martha was clearly concerned to be a good hostess. We're told that she opened her home to Jesus. She was hospitable and she wanted to do the right thing as a hostess. In fact, we're told she was so keen to do so, she was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She was probably preparing a meal, I would anticipate, and she became agitated with all of the things that had to happen before it was ready. In fact, the underlying Greek says she was drawn about with much serving. It's a rather picturesque expression. She was pulled this way and that as she was seeking to prepare the meal. 
Meanwhile, her sister, Mary, sat down and did absolutely nothing. And unsurprisingly, Martha was rather irritated with her sister. In fact, she wasn't just irritated with her sister. She was irritated with Jesus. She was frustrated that he appeared to see absolutely nothing wrong in her sister's behaviour. Verse 40, she came to Jesus and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Let's just pause there. Do you sympathise with Martha? Her sister, I heard someone say yes. Um, I'm not surprised. Um, Her sister was sitting down doing nothing while she was slaving away. I think a lot of people would sympathise with her. In fact, in a Bible study on this passage years and years ago in St John's, I remember a number of members of the group saying they thought that Martha deserved sympathy. Uh, In fact, I think probably the majority of members of the group uh, thought that. But Jesus didn't support Martha, did he? he? He defended Mary. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what's better, and it will not be taken away from her. Uh, In Jesus' day, as in ours, the repetition of someone's name could be used as a way of stressing the seriousness of what was being said in as gentle a way as possible in the circumstances. So Jesus was being gentle with Mary, with Martha, I'm sorry, was being gentle with Martha, but he was nonetheless rebuking her. Now, some people have suggested that Jesus' point was a purely practical one. Martha was rushing around preparing lots of separate dishes for a big meal. And Jesus was saying, I don't need all these separate dishes. I only need one. Martha was, in other words, going over the top in being a hostess. But but actually, that can't be right. The comparison that the, the passage is making is not between all the things Martha was doing and the one thing she ought to have been doing, or rather the one thing that she was doing, which she could have kept doing. The comparison was between what Martha was doing and what Mary was doing. And Mary certainly wasn't preparing the meal, not even one dish. That was the problem. Now, what Jesus was saying is that Martha was distracted by her desire to be a good hostess, Whereas her sister Mary was doing what was required, listening to him. It was Martha, not Mary, who had got her priorities wrong. Martha should also have been listening to Jesus. So what can we learn from what Jesus said to Martha? Well, I suggest, first of all, there's something we shouldn't learn. Um, historically, some sections of the Christian church have used this passage in order to justify contemplative monasticism. Now, whatever the merits of contemplative monasticism, uh, it is, to say the least, a stretch to use this passage in support of it. 
Of course, I appreciate that not many of you are advocating that we all become contemplative monks. It's not the biggest problem facing the evangelical church in the 21st century. But, but before we dismiss the point as irrelevant, we, we should just note that there is a danger we fall into thinking that somehow spiritual things are rather more important than practical things and that Jesus is interested in form and not really in the latter. And we may read a passage like this as in some way supporting that view. Um, but, but, but if we were to draw that conclusion, uh, we, we would be indulging in a classic example of overgeneralization and indeed failing to allow part, one part of the Bible to help us understand another part of the Bible. But it is a trap we can fall into. Uh, I remember many years ago again a rather frustrated vicar saying that some members, not of this church I should just add, uh, saying that some members of his church were so super spiritual and so keen to listen to God in prayer meetings that they relied on the Holy Spirit to put out the chairs for those uh, <laughs> meetings. Uh, no, that is not the conclusion that we should draw from this passage. So what should we, what is the conclusion we should draw? Well, let's go back to the context. Uh, and I don't mean the um, uh, uh, geographical or historical uh, context. Uh, I've already indicated we're not given that. Let's go back and think about the context of this passage in Luke's Gospel. In order to understand what it is that Luke's drawing to our attention, Luke has just told the story, just recounted the encounter of Jesus with a teacher of the law, during which Jesus told the parable of the sower. And we looked at that last week. And you'll remember that it ended like this. Jesus was talking to the teacher of the law and he said, which of these three, the three people in the parable, do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert of the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Now, as Eddie pointed out last week, the main point of that was all about the man's question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? But in the context of puncturing the man's self-righteousness, Jesus was stressing the command to love our neighbor as ourselves and warning us against trying to narrow down the idea of who our neighbor is in order to engage in self-justification and make things easier for ourselves. And if you think about it, all of that requires practical help. It requires personal time and commitment. It requires financial support. It requires an ongoing concern. And the Bible, of course, stresses those things time and again. We're called upon to express our faith in action. And we're called upon to serve God with all of our strength. And those are really practical things. But, but, the commandments to love our neighbour as ourselves and to serve the Lord our God with all of our strength have to be obeyed in the context of a relationship with God. So the starting point for all that we do must be ensuring that we have such a relationship 
and then ensuring that we understand what God requires of us. And both of those things start with us needing to listen to Jesus. You see, Martha was not a bad person. She really wanted to serve Jesus. That's why she was preparing the meal. She had faith. Take a look at John chapter 11, if you doubt that. And the things that she was doing were not in and of themselves bad. But she had allowed the concerns that those things brought with them to get in the way of her relationship with Jesus. And we, of course, can fall into the same trap. Perhaps that's why we sympathise so readily with Martha. Of course, some of us, by reason of just of our general personalities, are, are, are more exposed to the dangers than others. And I count myself amongst that. It may not come as a surprise that contemplative monasticism has never attracted itself to, to me. But... I'd suggest we all need to take care that the concerns of our life don't get in the way of our relationship with Jesus. Even that the concerns of what we're doing in the service of God don't get in the way of our relationship with Jesus. Because if they do, then we won't be serving Jesus at all. In fact, we may even forget that all of this has to start with having a relationship with Jesus in the first place. So what can we do practically to deal with this trap, to avoid it? There, there is no magic formula you'll be disappointed to, to hear. And part of the reason for that is that we're all different people. We, we all have different personalities. Our circumstances in life are different. And as a result, the dangers and temptations to which we are exposed are different. Indeed, you could put it this way. Some of us are more in danger of falling into Martha's trap. Some are more in danger of forgetting what Jesus said in the parable of the Good Samaritan. And we need to hold both of them together. So I don't think there's any simple formula for avoiding them. Nonetheless... There do seem to be a few basic questions that we could all benefit by asking ourselves. And the questions are blindingly obvious when you think about them. There's no sophistication. And the first is, is this. I suggest that we all ask ourselves, am I in danger of falling into Martha's trap? Am I in danger of allowing the concerns of the world, even the concerns of serving God, to get in the way of my relationship with Jesus. And don't think that uh, the fact you do lots of things by way of Christian service provides some kind of vaccination against this danger. The example of Martha shows it doesn't. And to put the matter another way, we should each ask ourselves, is my everyday life getting in the way of my relationship with Jesus? Is my everyday life stopping me read the Bible, reading the Bible and praying and the, and the like? And if the answer to that is yes, then we need to go on and say, what might I do in order to improve the situation? 
And, and that could take many forms. Uh, you might ask yourself, how might I reorder my routine in order to read the Bible regularly and pray regularly? You might consider the things that you might stop doing in order to do that. And, and of course, I don't just mean stop doing bad things. You should stop doing them anyway. But it might involve stopping doing good things, even things that might comprise part of your Christian service. In Martha's case, she was being told, actually, yeah, Jesus would like a meal, but actually he'd prefer you to sit and listen to him. And we need to remember those things and, 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 and consider seriously uh, how our lives are organised. You, you might find it helpful to talk to uh, other members of the congregation or perhaps discuss this in your home groups uh, or if you're in a prayer triplet or something like that, discuss it in, in, in those. But whatever you do, the key point to note from this passage is that it is something we need to take seriously. When we read this account of Jesus' visit to Martha and Mary, we may indeed sympathise with Martha. We may even think that Jesus was a bit hard on Martha. But Martha had got it wrong. And if she had not been corrected, that could have led to disaster later in her life. So Jesus was kind to correct her, even though that meant administering a severe jolt to her. And I suspect that Luke, when writing this, realised that his readers, including us, would also experience a real jolt, bringing us upright, thinking, gosh, is that right? And of course, like Martha, I suspect most of us are in need of that severe jolt. And whether we like it or not, we need to remember it's a jolt that's administered by God through Luke for our benefit. Can I suggest we all think about it over the next week? Amen.